gambling district? I can't believe you'd think that. That's reasonable. I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock. We're two protesting fans of Beyond Gilead. I stole that. <laughs> and you're listening to part two of our review of the season 10 premiere by Laurie Twitchell. So join us for episode 127 on our return to Gilead. What does eminent domain have to do with any of this? Oh, don't you know, Christians love using eminent domain to play the victim card. Do you know about God's Not Dead 2, yeah, I, 3, whatever it was? Uh, yeah, that, that, I think it was three. God's Not Dead 3 did a good job because at the end, uh, he was like, yeah, that's that's yeah, fine. We're despite gonna... the fr- the first part of the uh, the movie being like, oh no, we're doing the same thing all over again, it, it figured out what it needed to do. So, good on you, God's Not Dead. Suffice it to say, the way eminent domain is being used here shouldn't be shouldn't exist because it's one john is the mayor this is a currently going on action why doesn't he know about this it's kind of lampshaded i'm like oh i should know about this why why don't you also mincer realty bought the property mincer realty is expanding on the property is doing stuff on the on the property bill mincer knew the house was going to be torn down he just didn't know when so why is eminent domain being invoked huh it almost and when oh did my Mo- gosh you're right when, when did so monica pulled some strings to get it rezoned an eminent domain before mr key died that is canon that is the timeline monica talks with reverend brodsky then she makes the announcement about the entertainment district then she talks to him again and says the owner just died so at some point she had a plan to make all of this happen and mr key was still alive and in his house that so it, she was going to kick out, she was going to make Mr. Key homeless No, she was just going to wait until he died. Oh, okay. It's, st- it's still not great. It's not great. <laughs> For her. I think it's fine sure. to have her set up as that character because it's weird, but I don't know if the episode realized what it was doing. Sure. I feel like the reason Eminent Domain exists here is to create the threat or the, the uh, concern that... This will happen to the Morrisons. This will happen to Grace. This will, like, everybody will get kicked out of their houses eventually. Yeah. It doesn't quite fit with the whole Mr. Key thing, because as far as anyone's concerned, the reason that there's a bulldozer there is because Mincer paid him for it, and also Mincer paid for the property. So the government hasn't seized the property. Yes. Bill Mincer has. Mincer has something to do with Monica and maybe Peace of Heaven. Who knows? The, uh, I do. (laughs) You could cut that. No, it's fine. As far as we need to know, there's nothing to do with eminent domain. It's just a private person working for a company who hired someone to landscape the built landscape and tear down the house. And it happened sooner than he wanted it to, but it happened. And that has nothing necessarily to do with Monica. It was like, it could have all gone down without Monica, a random person could have bought the house and destroyed it anyway. And that would have been totally legal. And you don't have to talk about him in a domain. You don't have to talk about anything that uh, the mayor didn't see. Right. <laughs> in fact, it would be really weird because then, then that means that uh, John Morrison sees a guy bulldozing on property near him and then is like, you need a permit. Oh, you have a permit? Well, I'm the mayor. You're not allowed to do stuff on your private property. <laughs> yeah. There was somebody who 
I think left a comment on Audio News a while back when I said I was getting into Gilead, and he was like, John Morrison was an idiot running in front of that bulldozer. And I thought, I don't remember it coming across like that. We didn't talk about it last episode. You want to go ahead and talk about it this episode? Uh, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that probably wasn't, uh, like, I don't, I can't tell whether he actually runs in front of it or just kind of alongside it, but... Yeah, probably not the smartest thing to do. No, does it make sense for his character to do that? I don't know. Because, yeah. like, I'm trying to think how I would feel if, like, my best friend died or something, or my, my close neighbor, and then their house is just sitting there, and then all of a sudden a bulldozer is starting to knock it down. I probably would, like, probably go out and investigate. I wouldn't throw my life under the bulldozer. But yeah, I don't think he's doing obviously. that. I think he's just running alongside it. Right, so I think I I probably would, and not to say I'm John Morrison, but like I don't think it's unreasonable. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, it it, it feels. I don't think this, this is definitely not a reason to write off Gilead, especially. Well, might be a reason to write off this saga. I don't know. We'll we'll analyze this as we go forward. But I did really feel like John was flailing a fair bit when he went up and talked to Bruce and was giving him a really hard time. And Bruce could have just been hired to tear down the house and knew nothing else. And John would just be like, why are you doing this? I'm going to get to the bottom of this faster than you can read a book on manners. And Bruce goes, I I was just paid a bundle you of cash. You are such a Karen. To, yeah. Go, do you want to talk to my manager? <laughs> you want to talk to my manager? Yes. <laughs> like, actually. But look, yeah. uh, his name's Bill. <laughs> you might know him. Uh, he's uh, your neighbor. You've spoken very highly <laughs> of him before. Um. This the is conversation a with Bill and John later takes a whole different turn. John's like, hey, what's going on? And Bill's like, I'm doing stuff on my private property. What's going on with you? Uh, but I do appreciate how Bill handles it. He's played as a yeah. very sympathetic character to say, oh, I had no idea they were going to start this early. I was trying to stop it. I would have come and talked to you about it. And I didn't want you to be blindsided by it, but they just went ahead. This is all crazy. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? He says that he believes what Jesus said about asking for forgiveness. And so he asks for forgiveness. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. But now John's just going to forget about all the foreboding that he just had. So (laughs) there is one more thing I'd like to address as uh, that pertains to those. Okay, go for it. The final thing is in this episode, uh, specifically at the end of part one, it's a little weird what Zach says. He's got a candle. He's got a candle. But also, so here's sort of the gist of what he says. Because he doesn't say much. He kind of meanders here and there. But he seems to imply that the reason that we... Like, he's, he pulls out his candle and he starts talking about um, this little light of mine. And he's like, see, the reason that we need to uh, not follow the cares of this world and not sin is to keep our light burning bright. Because if we don't, then then there's darkness and then we can't see anything. And he seems to, there's like a little throwaway line, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he seemed to basically indicate that the reason that John and Haley, specifically John, I don't think we'd heard from Haley or Grace, maybe we'd heard from Grace? No, we'd heard from Grace, but not Haley. Okay, so we'd heard from Grace and John in part one, right? Yes. So he seems to imply the reason that they're having dreams and foreboding feelings is because they're such good Christians. They, they walk the walk right, and because of that, they're able to hear God's voice. Okay, I'm cool with that, except that it gets a little dangerously close to kind of what's wrong with prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. 
it, it sort of is saying, okay, so John Morrison can sense the darkness coming because he's a good Christian. Mm, okay. Which, you know, it doesn't matter because he doesn't do anything about it. <laughs> but the other issue is that it seems to imply, like, it. Do- it's not saying sometimes you can hear God's voice when you do the right thing. It seems to be saying when you do the right thing, you will hear God's voice. If you don't sin or follow the cares of this world, you'll get prophetic gifts, which isn't the case. But then the other problem is that he doesn't really say a lot in the first place. He doesn't actually have a definitive thing because in the end, it, it transitions into his light goes out and he makes a joke about it. And he then blows up the candle and interrupts himself. Right. Basically, the, the logical syllogism or the logical flow of what he says is when you don't sin or follow the cares of this world... Uh, you can write to keys for kids. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that came up kind of quickly. I didn't read what he was saying as relating back to the episode. I, I thought it related to your witness or your light shining being your witness. And if you don't follow the cares of this world, you're going to have a better witness. That's what I thought. I didn't think he was talking about what actually happened in the episode. Sure. Okay. I, 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 I could see that. Yeah, that's that's what I thought that was. It, you, things like that usually irk me. I think he did say something like, oh, well, John's got a got a feeling or like like he 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 referenced the fact that they were feeling a certain way. Oh, sure. Right before he said all that. Yeah. But then he brought out the candle and I think he was just saying, we'll have to wait and see what happens next. You know, your faith is like a can't. I don't I don't remember exactly. I, I should. Sure. I probably should have written it down. But yeah. Anyway, I appreciate your concern about that, though. Yeah. Shall we move on to another aspect of this episode? Please. Or this this two-parter. So one question that I had, and we'll see whether or not this actually gets brought up in the course of the series, but Haley's instant aversion to being kicked off of their nice little street. I, I can understand that. I get it. However, it seems like the eminent domain point was just brought up to make the audience scared that the Morrisons are going to be kicked off of Gilead Lane because there's no way that a bulldozer is just going to show up to their house without a permit and bulldoze their house. And right. or not especially not with them in it or unless they've had a long time in advance to prepare to move. And also, coming at this from an audience standpoint, after talking with Simon Guevara in season 6, this that might be an okay outcome for me to see this happen. But I know that's not where, where they're going to put it. We, we know we're supposed to root for this current storyline or for the Morrisons in this storyline. So I, as the audience, am a little bit torn about where I want this to go currently. But it's clear that the Morrisons don't want to move. Why not? Because they don't want to move. Okay. <laughs> but what if the ministry is really good? What if them being on the street is more important than you wanting to move? So what if the eminent domain, which is apparently part of the government, is part of submitting to the government as the Bible tells you to? And none of that's addressed because they just forget all of it when Bill Minster has the conversation with John. Right. Or, well, even beyond that, I think the series forgets talking <laughs> about any of that because we'll talk about it going forward. <laughs> initially there seems to be this conflation between everything that is right and good and Gilead Lane. Like, lots of great things have happened on Gilead Lane. Lots of great memories have been shared in that house. Well, Beth Culp's vision was that the Morrisons and Grace have extended Grace to the Richters, to Becca Taylor, to Caleb in those first three arcs. And they've all found healing. Maybe not Becca so much, but they found healing 
down Gilead Lane. And Tom finds that healing from his daughter down Gilead Lane. It's a great message, and it's contingent on those characters being there. There's nothing special about the lane itself, but it's an extremely – as we said at the end of – I think it was season six – these are extremely well fleshed out characters in a, a very, very well fleshed out world, and that includes Gilead Lane. So I would be sad to lose the Gilead Lane of season six. At this point, now that it's plot based, I'm not seeing Piece of Heaven finding healing down Gilead Lane. And in fact, probably not. We'll talk. No, no I can't spoil. I can't give spoilers, but I really want to rant about it now because I'm slowly coming to despise 12 12. Yeah. Huh? Because it's so much like Novacom. In addition, so here's another thing. If you are a Christian and you want to make a series where there's an in world plot that it's like, oh no, the bad guys are going to get this or they're going to destroy this good thing, the the balance you need to run is recognizing that even if the bad guys destroy Wit's End or Down Gilead Lane or whatever, it's just a building. They destroy Down matter. Gilead Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> well, that's what happened. That's why we have Beyond Gilead. Uh, oh. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke for legal purposes. <laughs> what legal purposes? It's true. <laughs> oh no! Continue. But, uh, I'm sorry, Lori and and uh, John. I, I love you. Yeah, it's not against <laughs> not against you guys. We just love Down Gilead Lane. Continue. We do. Um, but again, anyway, if you're going to have them like the bad guys going to destroy this place or this location or this building, okay, it doesn't matter. If they do it, then. There's nothing that God can't do to turn that into some form of good. You can follow his leading to possibly fight that if you believe that's God's will, and he's directing you to do that. Um, But if you end up doing unsavory, illegal, or wrong, just morally things in the process, then you're no better. You're, You're not better than the bad guys because you're defending the place that you like. You mean and so unsavory writer, choice morsels? Yeah, right. <laughs> if if you're going to write a story like that, then the location needs to fill in a certain a certain symbolic representation of a greater good, a, a moral good that is being challenged. The problem here is that we're going to be starting this Piece of Heaven series where the the main threat seems to be at least right now and possibly in the future you'll you'll just have to listen and find out but the main problem seems to be oh no they're going to tear down Gilead Lane okay well Gilead Lane might stand for some things like Gilead Lane is the place where these characters feel safe and where they have lived their lives and maybe it's where a few people have uh been shown grace and met grace yeah <laughs> Literally. Yeah. But they can do that anywhere. There's no reason that Gilead is representative of all of that. That it, this, oh, sorry, that's the only place that all of that can be done. Right. But the episode, to be fair, doesn't bother to go that far. It just leaves it at, oh, you, you understand that Gilead's, uh, like Gilead land is important. We don't want it to be destroyed. And they don't give the specific reasons why. It could be any number of reasons. But the episode doesn't sure. even go that far. Sure. So to that extent, it just becomes kind of a surface level plot, which is fine. It's just also we don't have anything beyond the surface level because yeah. 
the only other substance in this episode is weird prophecy things, which we've already talked about the issues with those. And that's it. That and like Haley. <laughs> Back when you had Beth and her wonderful writing, the criteria that I'll put going forward for this series is that it's going to have to be the same arc as Tom Richter was responsible for the deaths of Grace's parents. And that story doesn't change what the characters do if it's a completely different setting or if they're completely different actions or if the plot is completely different. Here, we have a specifically plot-based story that must also satisfy some kind of character requirement. And to be frank, I only remember one character moment happening, and I am planning on dedicating a full hour and a half long podcast if we have to, breaking that character down and breaking that episode down. So besides that... This uh, this series is going to have to work overtime to show us what the characters are, how they're being affected by this. And given that these two episodes happen, and then the next six or seven episodes aren't anything connected to this, um, mm-hmm. we we shall see what happens. Put it that way. Sure. Yeah. You want to talk about other stuff in these episodes? Sure. Uh, Earthquake was funny. <laughs> oh, we both oh the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Haley's <laughs> over at Maya's house and Haley's like wow did you ever have a dream like that and Maya's like well I once had a dream about a giant purple duck and when it quacked it was so loud that all the buildings fell down around it and Haley goes sort of like an earthquake no <laughs> and Maya's just like that follows, I can Im- imagine Maya just looking at Haley like what soda are you drinking what what, are, what? <laughs> no <laughs> And, my, and then they jokes. Just, they just move on from it. And Halo's. <laughs> so they they eventually, after that scene, there's a quick eavesdropping scene where we learn that Monica had talked with Bruce or whatever. And that's where Haley gets another bit of evidence. Maybe this is where we should jump into. What is your other side of the coin as far as how the kids are handled in this episode? Absolutely. What is the deal with Gilead gaslighting the kids every time they sniff out that Monica's up to no good? Oh, Monica's up to something. We're going to react like kids and do our best to try to stop it. But then the adults will attack us because there's one thing we got wrong and we'll get in trouble and we'll make the episode all about us, even though Monica's clearly sus. To be fair, this was the first time that this has happened. Previously, it was Tom. But I know what you mean. The Richters. Okay, yeah, the Richters in general. Yes, but still, continue. The, the fact that these episodes, it, it, these seasons, I recognize that in the past, the reason that the kids had to keep getting in trouble is because they needed to push the mystery off another season. Because because Keys for Kids it was like, oh... Or was it CBH back then? Well, it was CBH. But but then you also okay. have John's extended line in the end of the beginning where he scolds them for, this is not your story, stop trying to rewrite it. Right. Yeah. Which, like, I don't subscribe to that either. It's, it's like... Yeah, the most problematic scene like, in Beth Culp's writing, but continue. That, like, by, the Bible doesn't say that anyone's story is their own and God's writing the story for everybody, but... But that's besides the point. We've already talked about that extensively. Yeah, continue. we have. So here we have yet another instance where the kids specifically hear that the Richters are up to something and they seem to like they are not secretive about it. They tell their parents like, hey, this is this is a thing that we heard. And their parents don't say, what would make you think that there are casinos being open? Oh, well, I heard Monica talking to Bruce. Oh, really? (laughs) That's a bit odd that Monica's involved with the guy who bulldozed 
Mr. Key's house. Maybe we'll investigate that. Nope. Nope. We're going to just focus on how the kids did something wrong, despite the fact that John has an uneasy feeling about all of this. We're not going to investigate at all. Yeah. And it's, top that all off. It's frustrating. With, top that all off with John saying, you've, you've done this. You, you've spread this gossip. But then their solution is, hey, yeah, we can write a, a, a we're sorry letter and take it to Mr. Mincer. <laughs> Why not mobilize uh, yourselves to go around town and spread the accurate news that you now know? Right. Like, what is the moral of this episode? If the moral of the episode is don't spread rumors, then you need to figure out a way to show what the proper response would be to after you spread rumors, which is not just a cute little card. It's what you said. You would go and resolve the fact that you've tarnished this man's reputation to uh, dozens of people. Hmm. When Monica's talking with Reverend Brodsky, she brings up uh, a quote of, think of the possibilities, and he goes, oh, that's my sermon. Oh, you you do your research. I'm like, okay, I wonder what kind of preacher you are that think of the possibilities is your sermon title. I, I guess that's not a terrible sermon title, but... That's we shall. I guess again, we'll we'll see what kind of sermons that I he think preaches. that is meant to like sort of foreshadow that his sermons are very surface levelly. Like they're or they're they're more. Or I'll put it this way: regardless of whether I'd heard the episode yet or not, a sermon title like that that doesn't seem to have anything to do with morals or anything on the surface, I would say it has a fifty percent chance of just being motivational speaking. So I think maybe that's what the it's that is meant to convey is that he's kind of like he is a preacher, but he's not quite a preacher or something. Mm-hmm. But that's just a theory, a, a Gilead theory, which will, is actually you know and ending up either being confirmed or denied later on. So you know, yeah. clip of the day too. Ready? Yeah. Hi, Dad. Haley, um, I'll be there in just a moment, Billy. Are you? Oh, yes, but... We knew you'd want us to do the right thing, Dad. Isn't this a great turnout? I love protests. No more M&M's taking over our town. Time out, time out. What is going on here? Are you all involved with these protests? We sure are. We started it. You what? Excuse me, John. They're asking me to appear on camera. Uh, Bill, I'll get to the bottom of this. I, I promise. I'll talk with you later. All right. Kids, we need to have a serious talk right now. If I remember correctly, the only reason I included that clip was just Haley's line of, oh, I love protests. Yeah, I was going to comment on that, too. What? <laughs> Why? Ah, just the, the signs, you're not the making, sweat. You're not making yourself look look good here, Haley. Everything after they decide that they've got to spread the word is designed to make the kids look as bad as possible. Montage, by the way. <laughs> Want a quick yes. touch on the montage? Yeah, but again, I just did. Everything after oh. that is designed to make the kids look as bad as ter- <laughs> as terrible as possible. As bad as terrible, yes, uh, that too. All right, let's end this. Well, thank you guys for sticking through this two-part season 10 premiere. I think this was really fun to touch on all the different elements that make up this beginner to a long arc that I, I assume we'll be pointing back to this and saying, oh, they referenced this back in this episode, and they did this. But we'll see as it goes on. Ryan, why don't you tell people who are just starting this series because they love the Peace of Heaven saga how to get in touch with us to tell us how much they love the Peace of Heaven saga. Well, they can go to returntogilead.com. Yes. That is the location of our website. Mm-hmm. If you go there, 
which we hope you do. In this age of the internet, many people don't just go to random websites. They tend to go to Facebook, Twitter, you know, Discord. The, the same, like, five to ten websites, but you could be different and go to returntogilead.com and leave a voice message solidifying your place in history as having called in to this show and given your opinion on something. Yeah. Which, when you think about it, that's a lot better than giving your opinion on Twitter. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, and on here, we'll actually listen to your opinion. We'll play it out. We will. If it, you, you can leave multiple voice messages for us. So there's a, a minute max, and I'll probably only include one of them per episode. If you spam us, then I won't like that. But nobody spammed us so far, so please send us your thoughts on these episodes. Send us your thoughts on these reviews. Whatever you want. Well, next episode, we're going to be reviewing 10-3, 128, Colaropolis. I am raring to talk about that one, so let's let's Yay. just get right there. I'm Ryan. And I'm Michael. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you all in the next episode as we once again return to Gilead. Mm-hmm.